Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 46. I never know what episode it is. Episode 46 of the Snyder Cut. I'm Collider's senior film reporter, Jeff Snyder, coming at you live, not live exactly, from Needham, Massachusetts, where it's a beautiful day. Dad's out on the beach, and I'm here inside blogging and taping podcasts. That is my life. That is the choice I've made. Uh, where do we want to start this week? Because last week we ran out of time. We had a hard out. I got a hard out this week, too. Dad's got other stuff to do, guys. So let's start with Olivia Wilde directing a mysterious Marvel movie for Sony Pictures. Uh, It is believed to be a Spider-Woman movie. Now, I I had heard that they had been looking to do a Jessica Drew movie. You know, because Spider-Woman, multiple characters in the Spider-Man universe have used that moniker. Whether it's, you know, MJ or Gwen Stacy. But we've already seen those characters on the big screens. So I think that if they do do a Spider-Woman movie, if that's what this proves to be, it will be a Jessica Drew film. Um, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. You know, first of all, I think that this career change is good for her because I've never really thought Olivia Wilde was a great actress. I mean, that's just me. She's not bad. She's not a bad actress. I just think, you know, she has a certain look. Uh, She's not... Let's just say Jesse Buckley. Not to say that Jesse Buckley isn't attractive, because she is, but Jesse Buckley is clearly getting cast because she is a superior talent. Um, Olivia Wilde directed Booksmart last year. I didn't love it, although I watched the film a second time in theaters, and it grew on me. Uh, I got it a little bit more. I didn't realize, I didn't really understand what all the fuss was about. I don't think that she's like, you know... I don't think Booksmart was like Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird or anything, but Olivia Wilde clearly had something. You know, she did a good job with Booksmart. I, I think you'd be have to be an asshole to deny that. Um, and since then, she has just been lining up projects left and right, which is a little like, you know, pick a lane and stick to it. You know, we, we'd heard that new line that she was going to follow up uh, Booksmart with new lines, Don't Worry Darling, which is a thriller that's fully cast with Chris Pine and Shia and, um, you know, some really cool people. And then she, you know, did a searchlight thing, a deal for that, what's it, Carrie Strug, the, the gymnast movie, Perfect. And then she lined up a buddy, you know, holiday movie at Universal. And it's like, listen, this is what hot filmmakers do in the industry, whether they're male or female. Uh, it's annoying when a guy does it too. It's just like, you don't see Paul Thomas Anderson... Even Tarantino, I mean, Tarantino announces a lot of things that, that never, uh, you know, he, he talks about a lot of things that never get made. But it's just like, I don't know, Olivia Wilde, maybe make a second film before we start attaching ourselves to five different things. Uh, anyways, do I think that she can pull this off? Yeah, I think, I think she's definitely capable of this. I mean, look at who Sony has gotten to direct some of their, their big comic book movies, you know? Um, Spider-Woman. So so the idea is that it's probably Spider-Woman because Amy Pascal is a producer on this. And Amy Pascal is sort of automatically a producer on all Sony comic book movies that have to do with Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I just don't know how I feel about it. 
I don't know. I'd rather see, I've seen Olivia, and this is probably, you know, super far away. Like it seemed very down the line. I think Deadline's own story reported that, uh, that the holiday movie at Universal was supposed to go before this one. So I don't know what's ultimately going to be next. You'd think that it would be Don't Worry Darling since it's already cast. Um, but, you know, the pandemic has obviously thrown off everybody's schedules. But yeah, I definitely wanted to see Darling or Perfect or something else before Olivia Wilde made the leap to, you know, gigantic $150 million movies. That's just me. I think everybody should kind of make a couple movies. Like even, you know, I know uh, Chloe Zhao with the, you know, the Eternals. It's like, that. that's a big leap to make um, after a very small film as, as Booksmart was, you know, Booksmart didn't cost a lot. So, but whatever. I get it. Do it. I, I think she's better than Elizabeth Banks. I didn't understand why Elizabeth Banks was suddenly lining up uh, project after project as a director. This makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, so great scoop by, by my pal, Justin Kroll, although I'll bust his balls a little bit for calling Olivia Wilde uh, an A-list actress. Uh, that's a good one. Um, Scream 5. Now this one spoke to my heart. I mean, you mentioned Scream. You're going to get my attention. So this week, there were two big pieces of casting, uh, both on deadline, because that's where Spyglass is just funneling everything these days. Uh, They cast Vita star Melissa Barrera and you actress, Jenna Ortega, also known as Young Jane from Jane the Virgin. Now, I'm not familiar with Melissa Barrera's work. Um, She's going to be in In the Heights, so she's, you know... She's going to be a big star. Uh, and Jenna Ortega, I called this last December because I love Jenna Ortega on you. I was like, who is this girl? Um, she just seemed like a star in the making. And we don't really have any plot details. We don't know how they factor into this. But, I, you know, as soon as I saw Melissa Barrera's casting, she's a Mexican actress. And Jenna Ortega is of, you know, she, she's Mexican-American, a little bit of Puerto Rican descent in there. Um, clearly, I think, you know, the screen, the screen franchise has always been very white. It's kind of lily white. Uh, the big exception is the opening scene from, from Scream 2 with, uh, with Jada Pinkett and, um, and Omar Epps. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's a very black, I mean, a very white franchise. And so, you know, there just haven't been that many people of color in it. And um, I think it's a smart thing to diversify the Scream franchise Latin audiences turn out for horror movies. That's just kind of shows up in the data. Um, and Paramount, which is distributing Scream 5, they know this. They did Paranormal Activity in the Mark Ones, a movie that was specifically sort of made and tailored to the Latino audience. Um, so I think that this is the right move. I don't know, like, who, who are the leads of this movie? Is it Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega, or is it the legacy characters you know, with Courtney Cox and, and uh, David Arquette and Nev Campbell. Like, it seems as though, you know, with, with shooting starting relatively soon and just casting heating up, like how, like, how has Nev Campbell's deal not been announced? If she was the lead of this movie, as she has been the other four, it seems like they would have gotten that deal done before taking any other steps. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that the legacy characters are more of supporting characters and that we're going to get an entirely new young sort of teenage cast. Uh, And if I had to guess from what little inside information I have, I would say that Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega are going to be playing sisters. Um, That that Jenna's going to be playing 
the younger sister. Um, I'm trying to think if I know anything else about this. One second. I might. I might have a little something. Give me... Okay. Well, I heard that the uh, the fake title that this is maybe shooting under um, is Parkside Alpha. Uh, as far as the actual title goes, right now it's supposed to be Scream. So it's not Scream 5. We've been calling it Scream 5 at Collider, but I think that they're going to pull, you know, the same way David Gordon Green's new Halloween movie was called Halloween and the new Candyman movie is just called Candyman. I think that this one is just going to be called Scream, um, which I don't like. I, you know, maybe I get, if you don't want to do, you know, Scream one, two, three, four, five, like after a while, it's like, Oh, Scream five. Do I really want to do that? But Scream, whatever, return to Woodsboro, Scream, whatever the, you know, ghost face returns. I, I just do something besides just going back to, to Scream. Um, all right, so what do I think here? I think Melissa Barrera is probably going to be playing Sarah, who has a, a troubled past, and, and she's on medication to sort of keep her keep her uh, her mind, um, keep her head clear, and that kind of thing. I think that Jenna Ortega is probably going to be playing the uh, her estranged sister, um, who was sort of left alone to deal with a, a tough home life. That sort of seems to me what I think is going on here. But I think that you're probably going to see a couple of other Latino actors join the cast as well. Um, like I said, this just makes sense from a, from a business perspective. Uh, and thumbs up on Jenna Ortega. Uh, all right, just before we started shooting, Warner Brothers released a little uh, Batman logo on Matt Reeves' Twitter page and, a, and an image from Jim Lee. There, it's all good. There's going to be a ton of stuff this weekend at a DC fandom. I will actually be on Saturday night covering all the the fun drops, the reveals, the images, the trailers, the posters. So I'm giving up the Saturday night to help you DC fans out there. Uh, what do I think? I think that there's a lot of red. I mean, what else am I supposed to take from this? It was the Batman. It was red. It wasn't the, the dark, steely blue that, that Nolan's trilogy sort of came to be uh, you know, affiliated with. And I think that's a smart thing. Like, you know, Warner Brothers has to do something to sort of give this its own visual style and, and, and branding. Um, and so to just show that this is a completely new iteration of Batman, we're introducing a new Cape Crusader and Robert Pattinson. You want to just have a completely different color palette. Uh, and so, yeah, they have embraced red. Even the first image of Robert Pattinson was just, you know, soaked in red, like he was standing in some kind of a, a photo room. Um, and the first image looked cool. I mean, listen, I'm pumped for this, but what I really, you know, bat, you, whoever you stick in the fucking costume, they're going to look like Batman, right? It, it's not like anybody looks too different in the suits. Uh, maybe Affleck just cause he was so much bigger than everybody. It seemed like, but, uh, the real, you know, want to see on Saturday night is the villains. Are we going to see Colin Farrell's penguin? Are we going to see Paul Dano's Riddler? God, I hope so. Cause I can't wait. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. This is a movie that I know some people think it's John Hughes's like best movie. You know, they love it. It's, they think it's got humor. It's got heart. It's got everything. What it didn't have was teenagers. It kind of went over my head, not over my head, but like, I couldn't love it. Like I did the other John Hughes movies, whether that's 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, uh, Ferris Bueller, 
Um, so it, it just never, like, people are like, well, if you're going to remake, you know, one of these 80s sort of classic comedies, may, maybe make a movie like Weird Science that wasn't perfect to begin with, uh, and now you can improve upon it. Don't touch planes, trains, and automobiles. That's just a, a, an untouchable classic. I don't agree. Um, I think that transportation, I mean, people are still taking planes, trains, and automobiles. Transportation has also changed a lot. You can get Uber drivers in there. You can get, uh, you know, city bikes that are, that are lying around. I mean, there's a lot of way, there's a lot of, you know, ways to modernize this. And, uh, and so that's what Will Smith and Kevin Hart have decided to do. Now, you have to think that Will Smith will be playing the sort of straight arrow, the marketing executive that was uh, played by, Steve Martin in the original that Kevin Hart will play the annoying gum flapping guy like John Can- uh, John Candy played. Is it possible that they could be switching things up, you know, like uh, Seth Rogen and, and James Franco did for Pineapple Express? Yeah, it's possible. But, I, you know, I, I don't really think that Will Smith is the kind of guy who takes a lot of risks like that and puts himself out there. Um, so I, I imagine that he will be playing the straight-laced guy and Kevin will be the motor mouth. And that's a pretty good parent. You know, like, I don't know. Kevin Hart's not toxic to me. Uh, he's still doing a lot of explaining about, you know, past stuff. And, and, you know, people don't like to see him defending Ellen. I mean, I, I was sort of with you on, on that one, Kevin Hart. So I just, I don't see Kevin Hart's career taking a hit the way that people thought that it would at one point, uh, you know, based on some of the stuff that he said, he's still very much a movie star. Every studio, very much wants to be in business with him. He, we're going to be talking about him later in, in the – we can talk about him for our next story. So, yeah, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Will, Will Smith and Kevin Hart. That sounds like a hit to me. Nice going. All right, so the other Kevin Hart thing is this uh, STX project called American Soul. Kevin Hart is teaming up with NBA superstar Chris Paul to produce this movie. It's going to star Pete Davidson and O'Shea Jackson Jr., as a couple of 20-something guys who decide to launch this business, uh, reselling shoes, sneakers, on the secondary market where, you know, they, they, it's, a, it's a booming market. Like, it, 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 and a project like this, as they noted in the story, it combines sports and fashion and just a whole bunch of, like, unique cultures. Now, I'm never, I'm not really a sneaker kind of guy. Like, I've got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, casual shoes here and maybe one pair of basketball shoes. But I, I don't collect them. I'm not like, oh, these are the Air One Jordans, and this is Kevin Garnett, and this is Kobe's shoe. And it's just not for me. Um, clearly, I'm not a very fashion-forward guy. Uh, but I acknowledge that this is a very strong subculture. Like, people are very passionate about it. Um, it's from Ian Edelman, who did How to Make It in America, which is very similar. That was about two guys starting a denim company. This is two guys with a, a shoe company. Anyways, uh, they fall into some debt uh, or – you know, something goes wrong with the business plan and they end up having to, you know, go to the shady investor to, to, uh, to save their startup. Pete Davidson and O'Shea Jackson Jr., that's a solid pairing I can get behind. And, and you know what, I think it's probably a decent pairing for STX. Um, I, like, I, I really like O'Shea Jackson Jr. I thought he was great in Straight Outta Compton. I thought he was good in Long Shot. He's good in Den, you know, in Den of Thieves, which was a big STX movie. And I like Pete Davidson in, in Big Time Adolescence and King of Staten Island. You can see his star starting to, to rise. He's trying to, uh, starting to separate himself from the rest of those folks at, on SNL. Um, so, yeah, I, I can get behind this. You know, I, I, I dig it. Kevin Hart and Chris Paul get some, some producing power behind it. Uh, I think STX is excited about this one. 
Um, although I, I also think that they cycled through a lot of people, a lot of actors to get to Pete Davidson and O'Shea Jackson Jr. I think that those guys were a little bit down the list. Um, the Pinocchio cast was announced. This is a stop motion animated movie that Guillermo del Toro has been working on for years. It's a passion project. They got an incredible uh, cast. Um, we, I think we already knew that Ewan McGregor was going to be voicing Jiminy Cricket, just referred to as Cricket in this. Maybe they're, they're changing the name Jiminy. But he got a whole bunch of Oscar winners. Kate Blanchett, Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz. He got Finn Wolfhard uh, from, from Stranger Things. Like, you know, so there's a rival Pinocchio project. That's a live action thing from Zemeckis and, and Tom Hanks and Disney. And it's obviously going to be very different. I imagine that Guillermo's will be dark and more disturbing, a little bit less family friendly. Um, since, you know, you don't really care about that kind of thing on Netflix. On Netflix. Guillermo also signed an overall deal with the streaming service. And, you know, he's, he seems like a good fit for them. Um yeah, like Netflix is smart about the deals that, that it hands out. And Guillermo, you know, is someone who deserves a deal as much as anybody. I always liked Pinocchio. Like, there's some important lessons there. Um, so, yeah, you know, if I had to choose an old sort of Disney movie that was going to now have competing versions coming out, uh, Pinocchio is the one I would probably go with. I mean... And I know that they're like they're gearing up to do a Bambi movie. I think at Disney, they're, 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 you're definitely going to see more of those kinds of uh, you know live action adaptations and classic fairy tales brought back. But Pinocchio, I think it's time. I, th- I think I think uh, I'm down for this one. At least it's not Peter Pan, right? Oh, so Pinocchio, all about a boy who whose nose grows when he lies. It's time to talk about an uncomfortable story, but. It's time to get serious. Like, I, I don't know what to say. The other day, this Latin American distributor for Dan Gilroy's movie, Bigger, Cheaper, Faster, Faster, Bigger, Cheaper. I don't know what this fucking thing is called. It's a horrible title. You have to change it, Dan Gilroy. Um, anyways, this foreign distributor, Latin American distributor, whatever it was, had up on its site that Brad Pitt and Harry Styles were going to star in the movie. Wow, the Latin American distributor put it on their website? That means it must be true, right? No. I cannot believe. Like, I get that the blog see something like that, and they're like, well, it's, it's the Latin American distributor. I, I, it's, it's on the website. I, I can put it up. I can justify it. For a site like Vanity Fair, and I really like Anthony Breslin, Anthony Breslin, good guy in my book. The fact that Anthony Bresnikan picked that story up blew my mind. What are you doing, Vanity Fair? How could that pass any reporter's smell test over there? How could it pass any editor's smell test? This is why, the I'm telling you, the, the legacy papers, okay, whether it's Vanity Fair, trades, all over, full of people who have no idea what they're doing. Brad Pitt and Harry Styles. I must hear about 10 projects a day that Brad Pitt and Harry Styles are going to star in. Like, guys like Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, like, you have got to get confirmation because they are on every shortlist for every project, even if it makes no sense. You could be casting a 60-year-old black guy. Tom Cruise is the prototype, I'm telling you. This is how it works. 
So to see Vanity Fair do that story was just like, what is the world coming to? What, like when Vanity Fair is down in the muck with God knows how many other film sites, like why couldn't you just wait? It's like, uh, obviously I, I assume that they reached out beforehand to confirm it. So it's like, well, while we wait for you, to tell us whether this is true or not, we're just going to put it on the internet. And then, so that's one story that they didn't deserve the traffic on. Then they get a second story out of it. When they do update, the whole thing's not true. It's completely denied. And Vanity Fair is the first to tell you that this is bullshit. Like, what? I don't even, it just, I'm fed up. I'm fed up about it. It made me sick to my stomach because I know when I have put things in because I'm not perfect. You know, I don't have a thousand percent batting average. In fact, no reporter does. But my batting average is probably between 95 and 98 percent. And it's like I, I, I would be sick to my stomach putting something online that I didn't know whether or not it was true. I mean, if you want to frame it as a rumor, frame it as a rumor. But for Vanity Fair to do that. If I was Brad Pitt or Harry Styles, I wouldn't be working with them for a while. They're in the timeout box because this project just benefited from a raft of publicity that it, it really didn't deserve all on the backs of Brad Pitt and Harry Styles. Now, Brad Pitt's publicist, he was the one who sort of came out and said, this is all hogwash. I don't know. You know, I, didn't, I never bought Brad Pitt. If you actually looked at the original announcement for this movie, the budget is like crazy cheap. It's a super ambitious project. But the, the, the budget's like 20 or $30 million. Maybe it's a little bit more. I'm not privy to the specifics. But this is not like a Brad Pitt fucking movie. And he's also going to do Bullet Train. Uh, so, yeah, that was obvious trash. I mean, Harry Styles, like, not to mention, Dan, Dan Gilroy, Gilroy, I love Nightcrawler. Like, a masterpiece. The guy did Roman J. Israel Esquire, which did get Denzel a nomination, but was a complete head-scratcher to almost anyone who saw it. And Velvet Buzzsaw was bad. It was a bad Netflix movie. So if I'm Brad Pitt, I'm not in a rush to go work with Dan Gilroy. Let him regain, recapture his mojo a little bit. Harry Styles is a different story. If you're his agent, you could say, all right, Dan Gilroy, really good director, just like Chris Nolan is. I mean, he's not on Chris Nolan's level, but he's a very good director still. Um, I want Harry to go, you know, have that experience to work with this guy, you know, do a movie that's maybe not a blockbuster. It's a smart indie. Um, so I'm not saying that the Harry Styles of it all is, is bullshit. Maybe that works out. You know, they definitely want to get this guy another job, but you can't go with a story about Harry Styles or Pitt without getting confirmation. That is like, maybe I should be Anthony Breskin's editor over there. It's wild. Daniel Day Kim. And Randall Park signing on to star in an Asian-American heist movie at, uh, it was Amazon, right? Was that what it was? I can't keep, the, you know, there's so many streaming services I can barely keep it straight. We don't really care where it's airing. It's going to be a streaming movie. Daniel Day, Kim, and Randall Park. I really like this pairing. They were vying for uh, Ali Wong's affections and uh, Always Be My Maybe, which is a cute rom-com. Um, Randall Park, I, I love. I don't know that Daniel Day Kim is like a movie star. To me, Daniel Day Kim is a little bit TV-ish for me. But, uh, you know, the two of them together, I, like I can see if, you had to, if you're doing like an Asian Ocean's Eleven, which is what this sort of seems to be, 
I could see Daniel Kim being that George Clooney or Brad Pitt type, and and I could see Randall Park being more of like the the Matt Damon type. Um, I'm I'm super curious to see who they get. You know, are they going to go back to Ali Wong and work with her again? Um, I don't think I don't think that they're going to get like Aquafina. She already did, you know, Ocean's Eight. Um, but there's a lot of, of up-and-coming Asian talent out there, Asian-American talent, and I'm excited to see how this one de- develops, you know? I, I, the, I, I trust John Chang, who's Daniel Day Kim's uh, exec over there. Deadline uh, spelled his name wrong, but um, Johnny, John Chang, good guy. An Asian Ocean's Eleven. I can dig it. I like it. Uh, Lord and Miller producing a, a movie that will star... Keith and Kenny Lucas. This is the Lucas brothers. You may remember them from Lord and Miller's 22 Jump Street. Uh, they were the, the black twins who, who live across the hall from uh, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. These guys are taking off, okay? Uh, first of all, they, like, I think they went to, like, they're, like, Yale guys, right? Aren't they? They're, they, they wanted to, like, be lawyers. I know they went to, to law school. Um, I went to summer camp with one of their good friends. We had actually been talking about them recently. I have a call tonight with my summer camp guys. So I'm going to bring the, the, these two guys up. But uh, we were talking about them because they actually have a story credit on Judas and the Black Messiah, if you can believe it. The Black Twins from 22 Jump Street have story credit on what looks like it could be the best movie of the year. I mean, I, I'm so pumped for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, so, yeah, the fact that, that Lord and Miller want to get behind these guys and, and you know, producing a movie that's going to star them. I'm down to check it out. I thought they were really good in 22 Jump Street. I don't know if they're, you know, can lead a studio movie, but I'm down to find out. <sighs> Universal's Dear Evan Hansen also added uh, Amanda Stenberg, who's going to be writing a song. She was the star of uh, The Hate You Give, which I still haven't seen. Heard really good things about that one. Um, and they also added Nick Dodani from Escape Room. I, I liked him in, in that film. Um, so Dear Evan Hansen is a movie that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, what else? Love Hard. My pal Rebecca Ewing wrote this movie. It's a rom-com. I think it's going to be on for Netflix. And it's with Nina Dobrev, Jimmy O. Yang, and Charles Melton from Riverdale. Uh, this is basically going to be one where Jimmy O. Yang catfishes Nina Dobrev. She thinks that she's talking to this handsome guy, Charles Melton. It turns out she's talking to, to Jimmy O. Yang. And so she, she meets Jimmy O. And she's like, what, you know, what the hell is this? And he's like, listen, I, I, I catfished you, but I can introduce you to this handsome guy, Charles Melton. You just have to pose as my girlfriend for the holidays. Uh, so it's one of those problematic prem- uh, premises where a guy's sort of uh, blackmailing a girl into being his girlfriend uh, so that she can be with the man she truly wants to be with. Um, and I'm, I'm sure she'll eventually come to learn that, that Charles Melton is some huge asshole and, and she'll see that. Jimmy O. Yang is, is the sweetheart who was right for her all along. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe, you know, this is not, uh, doesn't follow that sort of generic template. What I will say is that Rebecca Ewing is hilarious. She's one of the funniest people I've met in my time in uh, Los Angeles, has a bunch of just uh, can't believe this is true dating stories. And so if she can mine that, uh, that material for, uh, for this rom-com, and I, and I like the, these stars, then, hey, I'm down to check it out. Love Jimmy O. Yang. I'll always have a place in my heart having uh, saved Boston from disaster in Patriots Day. The Boys, season three, added Jensen Ackles. This is a guy who could ring my doorbell right now, and I wouldn't know who he was. He's been on Supernatural for the last 15 years, I think. 
never watched an episode. Um, Eric Kripke, though, is behind the boys. He created Supernatural. So I like that. He's paying it forward. You know, he's keeping it in the family. You know, kudos to you for that. And, and Jensen Ackles looks like he would fit right in with the boys. He's got that I could have been in the original superhero look. He's going to be playing Soldier Boy. Uh, but, yeah, he doesn't – you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's not like he's adding any star power since, like I said, I wouldn't recognize the guy. Um Idris Elba signed on to a romantic spy thriller for Apple. Sounds good. I mean, this is what pe- people want to see Idris being a little bit dangerous, but also a little bit romantic. They don't want the full mountains between us love story, nor do they necessarily want the dark tower Idris. They want a nice, happy mixture of the two. And so this is going to be his uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, if I understand it. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. This is a guy who doesn't get the attention that, uh, you know, that a lot of his uh, black peers do, whether it's Idris Elba or Michael B. Jordan or even John Boyega, thanks to Star Wars, or Chadwick Boseman, thanks to Black Panther, you know, like Daniel Kaluuya's in Black Panther himself and, and got a nomination for Get Out. But anyways, he, he, you know, he's just, he's, I don't hear him brought up enough because he is a, an incredible actor with amazing taste. Like this guy's on like a six film run going back to Sicario. Like every movie he's done has been really, really good. Uh, Get out widows, you know, like I said, Judas and the black Messiah looks terrific. So he signed on to this movie, the, uh, the upper world. I think he's going to be producing it and starring it. Although I'm not sure if he's the lead unless they age up the characters. Cause this is a YA book. Um, but it sounded really interesting. And I think that we need, more YA movies with, with diverse leads. Like, you know, they can't all be the Hunger Games with, with Katniss or, or friggin' Harry Potter. Um, so the upper world sounded interesting. And I just, I like that Daniel Kaluuya is, is taking charge of his career and starting to produce some movies rather than just wait for the offers to come in. He's generating his own material. Rachel Weitz doing a Dead Ringers reboot on Amazon. Um... Not sure how far off this is or if she'll be able to slip something in between then. I'd heard that they were trying to get her for um, this new female anchor, I think, that's coming to the morning show. Uh, I don't know if if that worked out or not. Probably not. Um, Dead Ringers was a Cronenberg movie with Jeremy Irons. I never really – I don't think I've ever seen it. I know he plays twin, like, gynecologists and stuff, and it'd be cool if Rachel Weitz was playing – an OBGYN in this. Um, so listen, she's a fantastic actress. If we can get double her, I- I'm down to check it out. I'm pretty much down to check almost anything out if it has someone, uh, you know, of her caliber on board. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, I wasn't like, oh, you can't do, can't remake Dead Ringers. That's that's a travesty. That's crazy. No, you know, whatever. It's not. It's not Cronenberg's top title. I don't think. Uh, Logan Lerman and Asa Butterfield signed on to play Lee Atwater and Carl Rove in College Republicans. Again, this is like another movie where it's like, I don't really care. Like, what do I care about how Lee Atwater and Carl Rove came to be powerful Republican operatives? Um, but at the same time, these are two pretty good young actors. Uh, really like Logan Lerman. Um, what am I supposed to say about this? You know, <laughs> like, it's like, this is a project that's just destined to go to streaming um but i you know have, having seen 
how far it's come. Cause I've been reporting on this project for 10 years. It was going to star Daniel Radcliffe and, and Dane DeHaan. Uh, these guys may not offer the same star power, um, but I think that they are probably better actors than Daniel Radcliffe. Sorry. Um, Charlie Kaufman's IQ 83 may, may become an HBO series. That was part of an interview uh, that came, that, that he did with Collider. Um, this was going to be a movie at one point, And I think it's like about some kind of plague that makes people progressively dumber. And so it's like about a scientist trying to stop the spread of this plague uh, before he, his IQ also uh, diminishes and he becomes too dumb to even figure it out. Uh, that sounds interesting to me. Charlie Kaufman, something of ending things will be coming to Netflix in a couple of weeks. Not sure when that uh, review embargo lifts, but going to be very, very, very curious what the reaction is to that movie, which I watched over the weekend. Um, it's embargoed. Batman is resuming filming in September. Ozark is, is coming back in November. We're starting to see things return to normal. Uh, I don't know how normal they will feel on the sets with everybody wearing masks and being having their temperatures tested. Uh, and, you know, even craft services is going to look very different. Um, but yeah, you know, it's probably time you can't just sit on the sidelines forever, although... And it may be the smart move to wait until there is a vaccine. Uh, I, again, it's just like, you know, if you're an older crew member, you got to be a little bit nervous to go back to work, don't you? Um, but I'm glad that we won't have to wait too long for Ozark. I was worried that that, you know, with, with all the things that Jason Bateman has in the, uh, all the irons that he has in the fire, I was worried we were going to have to wait a long time for that one. But I think they got to keep, they've got momentum on that show again now. You can even see it like in the awards nominations and stuff. And so uh, even though Tom Pelfer got snubbed. So uh, it's, it's nice to see that returning uh, into production. Tenet. 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 Tenet Watch. Apparently the embargo lifts, I think on Friday, uh, it'll just be international reviews because I don't know if there are any press screenings in America, even in, even in markets where theaters are going to be open. I'm in Boston. Theaters are expected to be open. Excuse me, I got the hiccups now. And uh, I've been asking about press screenings, even though I wasn't even sure if I was going to go to a theater to check out a press screening. Most, most press screenings I've been to in Boston have been at like the main AMC theater. But again, if it's like just a few of us in the theater and, and the rest of the, and, and, you know, it's not just like normal traffic in like the lobby and other places, because I don't even know if it's open yet. I might have been able to seg myself up to go for that, wearing like seven masks and gloves. Um, but there haven't been anything. I've been hounding Warner Brothers, nothing in Boston, at least not yet. Uh, so I don't know that we're going to make a review embargo unless Collider hires some uh, freelancer from overseas. But the, the big thing about Tenet Watch is that there's going to be early access screenings. What does early access screenings mean? It means we're just not sticking to another release date, basically. Like, the movie comes out this day, but there's early access screenings. So then the release date is actually three days earlier. That's like I, Warner Brothers is just blowing my mind with some of the PR stuff. And, and not just like for the movie side, but for, you know, HBO and, uh, and HBO Max too. Like, I don't know what is going over there. Tenet, who is, who is the contact who I even reach out to? You know, like m- most of our Tenet interactions i feel like i've been with christopher nolan's bubble cyst 
So, you know, that, that, that's not her job. Where is the communication from Warner Brothers? If you're going to put this movie out there, fucking communicate to the press. And, and let's talk about when and where we can see this thing. I know most of the press is in L.A. and New York, so you're thinking, I don't even have to worry about it. But there are other markets. Our film critic is based in Atlanta. Like, Tenet also got a song from Travis Scott. I don't listen to Travis Scott stuff. Uh, it's weird to me that there's a rap song. I, I'm, I'm assuming it'll be a rap song. I didn't even listen to it. Um, a rap song at the end of Tenet. Will the rap song be sung backwards? That would be cool. Um... But he doesn't you really go with, like, you know, big songs like this. Or, or he doesn't, you know, he, he, no one likes a score, not a soundtrack. So this is a bit odd for him. But maybe it'll make more sense once we've seen the movie. Drunk History got canceled. And to which I say, good riddance. Never liked Drunk History. Always thought it was annoying. Drunk people are the most annoying people on the planet. Um... That's why I hate going to bars. That's why I don't drink myself. And even though I like Derek Waters, I'm sorry for you, Derek Waters. You did an amazing job. Congratulations. Getting this thing from like a funnier die sketch, right? To a seven season comedy central show. But you know what? It's time to give somebody else a chance. Goodbye. Drunk history. Uh, Space jam Two. LeBron uh, debuted the new tune squad uniforms. It looked okay. It looked a little silly. I don't know about that gigantic, Looney Tunes circle uh, that's on, you know, half the jersey. It just, it looked a little weird. There wasn't, I, I like a little balance to my jerseys, and that seemed a little uh, one-sided. Lawrence Fishburne's been talking about how he was not asked back for The Matrix. That's what happens when you cast Yaya Abdul-Mateen as, as young Morpheus. I mean, what do you want me to say? Um, it would have been nice if they could have found a spot for the guy, but... It doesn't make sense in the story. What, what do you want? Or maybe he's lying and he'll be back. So, you, know, you, you know, we will see him in, in the trench coat again and, and the glasses. Wouldn't that be cute? Um, Elizabeth Debicki signing on to play Princess Diana in The Crown. This is what everybody wanted all along. They were like, why is Kristen Stewart starring in this Spencer movie? Should have been Elizabeth Debicki. To be honest, neither really looks too much like Princess Diana. I mean, Debicki sort of carries herself like royalty and, and she has that six I think she's like six three and, and she just has this this sort of a certain like grace and elegance so I think she's a much better fit than Kristen Stewart for Princess Diana uh but this will be on The Crown not a movie I've never watched an episode of The Crown I don't care about the royal family or British politics so it could have cast your mom as Princess Diana would have made a fucking lick of difference to me uh, there's a Clueless reboot in the works at Peacock. This is the one where, that's going to be centered around Dion, who she's the lead when, you know, when Cher goes missing. She's going to be investigating Cher's disappearance. Is that a multi-season thing? Does Cher get found at the end of season one and then become the star of the show in season two? How does this work? Um, I always like Dion, though. Dion and I hope they bring back, uh, you know, the Murray character, who was a lot of fun, as played by Donald Faison in the original movie. Um... God, I love Clueless. I don't, Peacock is like the one streaming service that I don't subscribe to. Uh, don't know that I have any plans to do so, especially if they just, if that's sort of the thing. We're going to re- reboot Clueless. We're going to reboot Saved by the Bell. We're going to reboot this and that. And, you know, MacGruber is just like, eh, do you have anything, you know, new and exciting? And, and I've heard the capture. I think that's with 
Callum Turner. I've heard that that show works for them. Um, I know they have the David Schwimmer show. That didn't really look particularly interesting to me either. So, yeah, Peacock, you're going to have to improve your offering. Juice it up. Put, put that shit on steroids uh, if you want my money. Tig Nataro signed on to replace Chris D'Elia in Army of the Dead. Uh, I'm not a, I prefer Chris D'Elia as a comedian to Tig Nataro, but as an actor, I think Tig Nataro is a lot better. Like, I really liked her in um, An Instant Family. Chris D'Elia, you know, he's kind of loud and, and obnoxious and, and annoying uh, on, on screen. Not on, you know, on stage, that's a different thing. That's like his comic persona. That's his shtick. But yeah, uh, you know, on, on screen, like you got to play a character, and even on like you, where you played like a, a total, you know, skee ball, uh, it just seemed like uh, it just seemed out of place. Um, so I can't imagine this is a cheap move. Like that movie was done and in the can, and I, and I don't know how big a part Chris Delia had. It's not like he's Dave Bautista or anything, but um, I imagine that's going to cost a, a, a maybe five, ten million. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly how they're going to, you know, place Tig in there. Maybe they cut some of Chris's scenes entirely, uh, but when they do need him, Tig is going to be filling in. And that's, I think he was playing a helicopter pilot. I can actually see her, you know, behind, behind the, the remotes, remote, uh, the remotes with a, you know, what, what do they call that? The, it's not a stick shift. What do they call it? It's not a wheel, a lever. What do they call that in the helicopter when you have to pull up? Um, if you haven't seen Host on Shutter, if you're looking for like good horror content, just a, a little quick recommendation here. Check out Rob Savage's Host. We had uh, Rob Savage on the Witching Hour podcast. He spoke to Perry and Haley. Um, I think they got a lot of good stuff out of him. The movie's like 58 minutes long, so you can watch it in less than an hour, and it was very, very effective. It's all set entirely on Zoom. I'm on. I'm using Zoom right now to record this. And yeah, if I saw that stuff uh, that I saw in host happen right now in the panel next to me, I would be scared shitless. Um, what did I watch this week? I watched Lovecraft Country, watched the first uh, episode of that. I was mixed, mainly because the stuff that was really scary on that show, uh, which is, you know, the, the, the racism, um, it got less scary when you turn the racists into monsters. You know, like, I'm just not a big, I, mean, I was never a big Lovecraft guy. Uh, I, I don't particularly like horror television. Uh, I'm definitely going to give this show a chance. HBO was kind enough to finally send over the uh, some more screeners. So I'm going to try to binge it and see if that helps. Because I don't know that, I just don't know that I'd be tuning in week to week. Um, again, I really like the performances, like Jonathan Majors a lot. Uh, but it, there was something missing. From, from that show. Like, if, if that is supposed to be the next huge HBO show, a la Westworld or, uh, or Game of Thrones, I, I don't know if that's going to cut it. Uh, it's just, it's got to move a little bit more. Like, there, there was a, a big, you know, it opened with a big action sequence and, and ended with one, but in the middle there, there was like 45 minutes of just talking. And I know you got to establish the characters and, and put the chess pieces on the board, so to speak. So it's tough to judge HBO shows by their pilots, essentially. Uh, I'm looking forward to to going further down the line with that show. I watched the first few episodes of Fargo, but that show rhymes with embargo. I cannot talk about it, not even a little bit, so I am sorry. Uh, but it's nice to know that show is coming back at the end of September. It gives you all something to look forward to. And there's a bonus episode this time. All the other seasons have been 10 episodes, but with the pandemic, 
somehow it made the season order uh, 11 episodes. So I've got nine. I'm already burning through them. I may have to wait till Thanksgiving to see the final two. But yeah. Um, I've also been watching uh, Raised by Wolves, the Ridley Scott show on HBO Max. I think that is under embargo as well. I watched Project Power and The Old Guard. I finally finished The Old Guard. Uh, all these movies, if you go to the, the insider.blogspot.com, which I highly recommend, you will see Project Power, Extinction, and The Old Guard all right next to each other under the movies that are good but should have been better. Project Power... I mean, in, interesting premise, but it just was not fully explored. And I really liked uh, Dominique Fishback. Um, but yeah, like the finale with, with Jamie Foxx, I thought was a little overdone, a little overblown. The old guard was a little bit better, mainly because, you know, like it, it takes the time to flesh out its villain, or at least a little bit. Um, you know, Harry Melling, the guy from, from Harry Potter. Uh, and I wanted more of that in Project Power, like more about the, the Amy Landecker organization and what they're trying to do. Um, Old Guard, it, it, it was better in the, in the second half. Um, yeah, Char- Charlize, Kiki Lane, uh, yeah, the, 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 the gay couple. Like it was, um, there was a lot to like there and it was definitely a, a promise. It showed what Gina Prince-Bythewood can do. It, it was definitely uh, promising. Um, but I think I still preferred Extinction overall, just given the the action in that movie. Um, I watched the first episode of Woke. I think that's under embargo. I watched an American Pickle. This one was not for me, guys. And I love Seth Rogen. Uh, this no, Mm-mm. it just didn't. It just didn't have the laughs, to be honest. Like, if you want to make a heartfelt father or, or you know kid meets his great great grandfather movie then like do that but a pickle comedy like it, it just it was sour to me man I, I i was looking forward to it but it, it made very clear sense afterwards why sony got rid of it like that is not a theatrical release in any sense of the word i'm sure seth rogan knows that deep down so yeah not surprising at all that sony was just like let's just give this to hbo max uh, and then one of the best things that I saw this week was Boys State. If you don't have Apple TV Plus, I, I definitely recommend subscribing to it. If if not just for this, uh, it was the the uh, jury prize winner at Sundance. Um, it was excellent. It's definitely one of the top five movies I've seen. I think I have it at number three on the year. And I'm not a po- political guy. Hillary Clinton was the first time I voted, guys. Um, so politics, not not for me at all, but... To, it's just so well made and and you know you're, you're meeting the, the the you have to wonder like who are these people who want to get into politics and boy state gives you an answer it shows you the teenagers who actually take this super duper seriously you see you know the kind of douchebag politicians that that uh, we eventually meet later in life and you see some people who really want to make a difference like this kid steven garza he was running for president i might vote for him right now i mean he's not old enough he, he's got a double his lifespan, I think. You have to be 35 to be president. But, like, this kid, he had a, he had a good platform. He knew what he was talking about. Like, it, it was very, very interesting. And it just reminded me a lot of, of summer camp, but with politics, my summer camp, but with politics instead of sports. You know, you, 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 for color war, you'd split the camp into two and, and compete all week. And that's what Boys State does, but with politics. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, tr- 
trailers, a lot of trailers this week, some good ones too. Let them go with Diane Lane and Kevin Costner on, on a revenge mission to, uh, to get their grandson back. That looks surprisingly good. The Secrets We Keep with uh, Numi Rapace and, and Joel Kinnaman, the Swedish superstars. I thought that looked good. She thinks her neighbor was a Nazi or, you know, who, who committed war crimes against her. So she kidnaps him. Death on the Nile trailer. Yeah. Looks like Murder on the Orient Express, which I thought was just okay. I mean, you can, you can shove as many stars as you want in these movies, but it's like if you don't have a good whodunit at the end of the day, the movie's not going to be good, which is why Knives Out wasn't good. You can have a whole bunch, you know, all of Hollywood, put every star in the movie. If you don't have a good whodunit, you don't have a good movie. When, you, when that's what you're marketing it as, as a whodunit, you need a good fucking answer to that question. Murder on the Orient Express, eh. Death on the Nile, let's hope they play it a little bit better this time. Uh, on the Rocks, Sofia Coppola's movie for A24. That looked good with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. And, and like, I just like the, the energy of that. You know, that you can, you can feel it as the trailer goes on. Seems like it's uh, one of Bill Murray's best roles in, in ages. Utopia, we saw a new trailer for that on Amazon. That's coming out in September. Amazon, making a comeback between the boys and Utopia. The, the month of September will belong to Amazon, I predict. The War with Grandpa with Robert De Niro. It actually looked cute enough, I, I thought. But to me, you know, the other part of me was just like, wow, this is the fucking guy from Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. And now he's playing dodgeball with children. Wow. Um, Class Action Park is an HBO Max documentary that I think looks like a blast. It's just about a, you know, water park and, uh, and a, an amusement park in New Jersey that was just like insane. People were getting hurt and, and killing themselves like all the time on these rides before it was forced to shut down. The Devil All the Time, I don't know if we talked about that trailer last week. It, it, it underwhelmed me a little, but then I watched it again with my, with my dad and it got me excited. Um, so I am looking forward to that Antonio Campos movie with, with Pattinson and Tom Holland. And then we got a trailer for Bad Hair, which I reviewed out of Sundance. I think I gave it like a B or a B minus. This is Justin Simeon's uh, horror movie. It was way too long at Sundance. It was almost a full two hours. And I said it needed a haircut. And judging by the screener that I got, uh, it seems like it was cut. It, uh, I think it's only 102 minutes. I think it lost about 13 minutes. That should really help the pacing. I'm glad that Justin Simeon listened to the reviews on that one. All right, we're going to take a few mailbag questions in the final minutes of the show, and I'm going to drop a huge rumor of the week. We'll see. Here we go. Derek Walker Jr. By the way, I didn't take mailbag questions last week, so there may be uh, some from last week too. Derek Walker Jr. I was wondering if you read the Hardy Boys mystery books growing up, and do we think it could be a good idea to perhaps turn that into a series or a show on uh, a streaming platform? Yes, I did read the Hardy Boys uh, books. I did read the Bobsy Twins books. And if I was like Amazon or Netflix, I would absolutely make one of these shows. This is what I'm talking about. It's like the executives, some of these executives, it's like they only read the hot submission that comes in from the agent or the hot article, you know, from Epic Magazine or, you know, just whatever it is. They're, they're not going, like, go back to some of the classics of your childhood, man. Where is, like, the fucking Babar shit or abioyo or i can name a zillion children's books that would make great streaming properties the hardy boys is definitely one of them the bobsy twins is another a no a no-brainer um i really wanted to see that hardy men movie that they were going to do with ben stiller and tom cruise back in the day but that never came to fruition derek also asks what historical event has not been on the big screen that you would like to see turned into a movie and why Ooh, 
historical event that hasn't turned into a movie. I have to think about that one. Um, yeah, I got to think about that one, Derek. Sorry. Uh, he also asks, I was wondering if there's been any movement on uh, the 355 movie, the Simon Kinberg one with Jessica Chastain. Uh, is Simon Kinberg still going to direct it after the failure of Dark Phoenix? I think, I think he already did direct it. I think that is in the can. I think it has a release date already. Um, I'm not sure about that, Derek. I, I could be wrong. But uh, yeah, for some reason, I thought he might have already done it. Beats me. So, sorry, I couldn't answer your question. Uh, Will Drajulis asks, I have a two-part question. I saw Scorsese came on board to shy his next movie, Pieces of a Woman, as an EP. First, is that a sign that the movie is going to be great? Secondly, is there any chance it could lead to a shy Scorsese collaboration on future projects? Uh, yes and yes. Um, I, I think that, yeah, you know, if the movie's done and Scorsese put his name on it, I'm assuming it doesn't suck. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really like Vanessa Kirby's movie, but I, I had a feeling Scorsese might get involved the second, uh, the, uh, Benny Safdie signed on to co-star in this movie. Um, so I, I feel like it was, it has been on Scorsese's radar for, for quite a while. Uh, as far as Shia working with Scorsese going forward, first of all, I don't know how many movies Marty has left. Um, but there is a part in Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, sort of a, a role underneath Leo, I'd heard they really wanted someone like, like Chris Evans was the prototype, but you never know. Like that, that may, that role may be like too small for Chris Evans and maybe it goes to someone like Shia. Uh, that would be cool though. I think, I think Shia and, and Marty, their energy would go well together. Uh, Will also asked, are there any rumors about the new Dan, Dan Gilroy movie? I thought coming out of Candace would be a film trying to come together quickly. seems like it's just waiting for a crow bomb saying Joan Hall was cast. I'm sure there is a crow ball, a crow bomb awaiting us on that project, but you know what? It won't be Brad Pitt. Um, all the trades were very quiet on that story, by the way. So maybe they know more than they're letting on. As for the rumor of the week, we're going to close this out with. I don't know if this has been out there. I don't know how real it is. Again, George Miller has to go make that 3,000 Years of Longing or whatever movie uh, with Tilda and, and Idris Elba. But Hollywood has not forgotten about the sequel to Mad Max Fury Road. I told you that they were looking at Yahya Abdul-Mateen, right? Someone else told you they were looking at uh, Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy, right? Because I'd heard Jodie Comer from, from Killing Eve for a young Furiosa, but it turns out uh, Anya Taylor-Joy may be George Miller's favorite. But then there was this other character mentioned, this character of Dementis, who has like a big scar across his face and half his face is like chrome or something. Uh, I don't know if we'd heard any rumors about that one, but here it is. George Miller is Australian. Think about that. This movie will likely be shot down under. Who is the biggest Australian star in Hollywood at the moment? Chris Hemsworth. Could you see Chris Hemsworth in, in the next Mad Max Fury Road movie? Since Tom Hardy will not be back. They need someone big and tough like that. I think it could very well end up being Chris Hemsworth. Uh, you know, maybe he feels like eh, this is too close to Thor or whatever I've been doing in Marvel. Uh, maybe he gets some other offer and passes on it. But from what I understand, Chris Hemsworth could be the guy alongside Yaya in Furiosa. That'll do it for the Snyder Cut this week. I got to hand the reins back to Thad because we've got William Zabka coming up. Uh, he's doing something fun to promote Cobra Kai. Make sure to send in mailbag questions, the uh, jeff at collider.com. You can also DM me at the Snyder on Twitter. Follow me. Order a cameo, guys, and stay tuned for the Schmodown Singles Tournament. I got uh, 
a match coming up with Robert Montano. I don't know when it's going to air, but it, it should be a fun one. Um, all right. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Hit the beach. Get those tans while you can. Wear a mask. Later. Tell your chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.